Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. Good day. Good day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day, I always pick one of the fruit of the spirit to focus on. Yesterday, it was peace. I was focusing on peace, the fruit of the spirit of peace. And then today, I'm focusing on love. The love of God. I'm focusing on love. The fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit can be found in uh, Galatians five twenty two to twenty three. When you look at it, it's uh, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing that God has given us. You know, many people always focus on this. You know, the spiritual gift, um, the gift of uh, faith, the gift of tongues, uh, prophecy knowledge wisdom interpretation of tongues and all of that you know but there is a gift that is also great and that's the fruit of the spirit i always say that you know just as the lord says you know them by what their fruit right you know you know them by their fruit not by their gift not by their anointing but by their fruit and so as uh, people in the fivefold ministry even as people of, as a child of god it's really important that we look at the fruit of the Spirit and really allow the Lord to just do a work in us concerning our fruit. Nobody comes on earth with their fruit, you know, ripening and just blooming and beautiful. No, you have to work at it. The fruit of the Spirit is work, okay? I have done customer service before. And listen, my first job was at Royal Farms. And that's customer service. When you do customer service, your fruit of the spirit will be tested. People will come to you mean, rude, and even working in the medical field, people came to me rude, you know, and so I had to really exercise my fruit of the spirit of peace, right, of gentleness, of self-control, because <laughs> just because we are anointed don't mean we can't clap back. We can't clap back, but the Holy Spirit will not let you clap back, Right? And so because of the fruit of the Spirit that is in you, when the Holy Spirit tells you, do not clap back, the fruit of the Spirit kicks in and says, self-control, self-control, release self-control. And then, or the Holy Spirit will say, do not clap back. And then the, the, the fruit of the Spirit of peace just comes on you, just like peace, 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 right? So it's important that we look at the fruit of the Spirit. If this is the new year for you and you have not really dedicated this month of January to to really go in in depth in the word of God I would really recommend looking at uh Galatians 5 22 to uh, 23 and God talks about the fruit of the spirit what are they they are it says but the fruit of the spirit is love right first it's love because the Lord says what um we are to they would know us by what our love for each other, right? Our love for each other. And also he said, you know, look at you you you, you want to test every spirit, right? If it's from God. And and we are to go out and be the hands, the light, the feet, the voice of Jesus. And that's through love. That's why it starts with love because God is love, right? And so and then it says joy. The joy of the Lord is what? Your strength, peace, right? Uh, it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world give do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. And it says, patience, right? Patience, patience what p- produces perseverance, right? Uh, count it all joy when you've gone through trials and tribulations. For the testing of your faith produces what? Pa- patience, 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 perseverance, and you will be perfected, right? 
kindness kindness is one of it right like the samaritan the the, the uh the samaritan uh the one that was um you know on the on the side of the road uh and people came and um really he was like wounded and on the side of the road the levi came nobody helped him you know the priest came and passed by they did not help him but then there was a samaritan man that came the good Samaritan, right? He came and he helped the guy that was wounded on the side of the road. So your kindness is also shown as your food. Goodness, goodness. He says, well, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord. So goodness, goodness comes from the Lord. Because when his goodness is on you, you will be able to have goodness to give to other people. When you don't have mercy, you can give mercy to people. When you don't have love, you can give love to people. When you don't have um, self-control, you can't give self-control to people. So what is in you? The goodness and the mercy that is in you each and every day. You have to ask the Lord, God, give me goodness. Give me mercy. Your goodness and your kindness is new each and every day so always just go at the feet of the lord every morning and say god pour your goodness in me so that when i go out there i can be a goodness to people i can be good to people and then it's faithfulness faithfulness right faithfulness is important because that's part of the fruit of the spirit we have to be faithful diligent in what god has given us right to be faithful in all things right pressing in prayer really letting the lord know how we feel with through prayer so faithfulness is important how are you faithful with what god has given you we know about the talent the the parable of the ten talents right and and there are some that got one and then there are some that got a lot. Some of them didn't use use it for anything. Some of them did not do anything with what God gave them. But guess what? Those that were faithful, God gave them more. So how are you faithful with what he's given you, the little that he's given you, even what you, you have? There are times, even in my life, that God has asked me, Bernice, are you faithful with what I've given you? Because you're asking for more. But are you faithful with what I have given you now? So I'm just asking you, how is your faithfulness? If, if you are lacking faithfulness, if you're lacking being faithful with what God has given you, then guess what? The fruit of the Spirit, you, you need to really um, look at and really uh, you, uh, exercise and grow is faithfulness gentleness gentleness right being gentle being meek right be be humble because the lord says that what he resists the proud but the humble the gentle in spirit he uplifts so how is your gentleness are you proud are you prideful people always say that you know uh joseph was very prideful that's why he always said he always told his his dreams and what god was going to do to his brothers but you know what when you actually have walked in the life of joseph when you've actually walked in these these people in the word of god that were way 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 before us they lived before we we came here they when you got when god allowed you to really walk in their footsteps really endure how abraham had to give up his isaac when you have to give up your isaac you will really understand where where uh, abraham really was in that moment when you have to be a Hannah to pray for your for, for your Samuel you will really understand how Hannah felt you know when we really allow God to help us to live out these characters these people in the word of God what happens is that we we, we preach from a place of understanding instead of a, a place of 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 conviction or even a place of judgment yeah that's the word judgment we pray we we pray and we preach from a place of of understanding instead of a place of 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 judgment that's why god allows us to go through what we preach M- many of times 
when we preach and we teach and we prophesy and we really release the word of the Lord, he will always either let you go through it before you preach it or he will have you go through it after you preach it. Majority of the time, it is you preaching it, you're going through it or you've already gone through it. And so when the, when the Lord says that you are to preach a certain word, it's because he knows that you've already understood it in its in its entirety. It is very important that we are able to be gentle gentle before the lord when god says hey i need you to be you know patient i need need you to to be gentle i need i need you to be humble it is very important that we have to be humble so my, my question to you is are you gentle are you gentle are you gentle with people around you are you gentle even with your enemies because the word of the lord says that what we have to love our enemies right those that persecute us God exemplified that. God knew what they were doing to Jesus, but he still loved us. He said, you, you know what? Because the Lord, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so the Lord knew, even though he saw, he heard, he felt all that God, all that Jesus was going through because he, God and, the, and Jesus are one. He felt it all, but he said, you know what? No, I love you guys so much. I'm going to, re- I'm not going to take him out of your hands, but I'm going to put you in your hands, in your hands for you to do whatever you have to do to him because I love you too. So the, so the gentleness of God was shown, right? It was shown. And even his self-control. God has self-control. Because guess what? He could have literally, even Jesus said in, in the garden, he can re- he can speak and, 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 and legions of, of, of angels can come in the place and break every neck of that people. But he didn't do that. He he, he said, I know how to put my, my life down. And I know how to pick it back up. And on the third day, guess what? He picked it back up, right? But he knew how to lay it down that is self-control. So if you don't have self-control, really seek the Lord and ask him to help you in self-control. I mean, maybe you might not have self-control in eating your eating habits, right? A lot of people are flooding the gym in this season, in this January. In the first two weeks of January, everybody's exercising. You will you will see everybody exercising. Even the people that don't like exercising, they will exercise. You, you put yourself on a diet, you know, and then Three weeks into January, you, you, you don't even exercise anymore. You don't want to eat good anymore. So I, I, my, my, my question to you is, are you having self-control still? You, you placed upon your, 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 your plan that you want to be somebody who exercises, be somebody who eats well, be somebody who is diligent in prayer, in fasting, in, 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 build, in being diligent at your work, you know, but you're not doing it anymore. So my question to you is, do you have self-control? Are you continuing to, to go forth with the plans that you put, you set in stone for January for 2023? Go back to it and be in self-control. And if you're lacking self-control, ask the Lord and he will help you. Any of these fruit, fruit of the Spirit, ask him. He will give it to you. He will help you to cultivate it, to grow that seed, right? It says, against such things, there is no law. This guard you, this help you to resist the enemy and not be in pride pride and, and walk in gentleness and walk in faithfulness and goodness. So every single day, every single day I ask the Lord, which of these fruit do you want me to focus on? Because nobody's nobody has arrived. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. Your pastor hasn't arrived. Even the president of the United States of America has not arrived. Nobody has arrived. And so we are always to cultivate the fruit of the spirit, the fruit that God has given us. So today, my question to you is, what is the fruit that God wants you to focus on? Like I said, the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, 
faithfulness and self-control. I want us to go into worship and really during worship time, I want you to ask the Lord, which of these fruit do you want me to focus on today, this week, this month? Ask him, even in, in the whole 2023, which of this fruit does he want you to focus on? So let's go into worship. Right, so I hope that you took time to really talk to the Lord and ask you, ask Him, what 
focus of the fruit of the spirit of Galatians 5, 22 to 23 that he wants you to focus on. So, you know, like I said in the beginning that people always look at the story of Joseph and say, oh, Joseph was so prideful and he wore his coat around. I think that the coat wearing his coat around was was somewhat of a prideful way that he 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 moved, you know, in his life. And I think he was a little naive at that time. Um, and not and also he lacked discernment, discernment, because discernment would will cause you not to share, you know, not to really uh, expose the blessings of your life to people because you understand that not everybody is happy for you. So you will not be you will not be uh, desiring to share those things because you are looking at how they are reacting and you don't want to let them see any more of your blessings because they don't like you. But Joseph was lacking discernment. I think that's what he was lacking. And also, he had a wound in his heart. He had a wound in his heart because his father loved him. And even though his father loved him, um, he still wanted that brotherly uh, acceptance from his brothers. I mean, put yourself in Joseph's shoe right now. Just put yourself, imagine right now, you have, uh, you know, 11 brothers, right? Of course, Benjamin was little, so we, we don't include Benjamin. But just think about the 10 the 10 of your brothers, right? You, every person who have siblings, you want your siblings to love you. You want your siblings to include you. You want your siblings to be proud of you. You want your siblings to know about the deepness of your heart. You want your siblings to know about what God is telling you. What You know, you want your siblings, the blood, the, the people that is that you share the same blood with, you want them to love you. But we even see the parallel between Jesus and Joseph. That even though Jesus was still trying to tell us who are his brothers and his sisters. Like, hey, God sent me. Like, I am one of you. Like, I love you guys. Like, I am the son of God. Just as you are a children of God. I am the son of God. But they did not want to listen to him. They were jealous. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were jealous of him. Right? They were so jealous of him. But the thing is that even though they were jealous, Jesus, he knew, he discerned. He knew he, God, Jesus had discernment. He said in the word of God, he says what? He knew what was in your heart. Many times he said, why, 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 why are you thinking that in your heart? He said that all the time. He said it to them. Why are you thinking that in your heart? It says John 2, 24. But Jesus knew what was in your hearts and he would not let them have power over him. He knew. He knew how to discern. He even told Peter. One moment Peter said, you are the son of God. The next moment Peter said, no, you're not going to go to the cross. And what did he say to Peter? He said to the demon in Peter, which was what? The devil? Get thee behind me, Satan. Right? And so he had discernment. But Joseph, he, he's, not, he's not Jesus. He's not God. Right? He's a human being just like you and I. So many of you might find ourselves in Joseph's shoes. You might you might be around people. You might be around people that said, Oh, you know, these are my family. These are my ministry family. These are my, my actual blood family. You know, but then you, you realize that you are a Joseph and and you they're not happy for you, what God is doing in your life. So what do you do? You know, many times Joseph had a wound, had a wound because he wanted to to really get the, the closeness of his brothers, the acceptance of his brothers. But he didn't get that. So the way that he could get it was to share his dreams, what God was telling him, what God was revealing to him, what, what God was showing to him. Because that, that is the moment that they will be able to hear him, that they will give him a piece of, of, of their mind, or they will be able to um, draw him closer or, or accept him. 
but he didn't know that what he was sharing that 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 was something that he wanted to use as a way for them to accept him was the same thing that caused them to hate him even more and so you might find yourself in joseph's shoes you know you're not prideful to share your 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 god-given dreams and visions with people it's just that there's a wound in you that you need god to really deal with and maybe there might be a little bit of pride you know uh but i think the pride i think i think that the the focus of the pride is lack of discernment I think that if Joseph was able to discern and really see intently without allowing the wound to blind him, he would really see, oh, wait a minute. No, they don't really like me. They don't really, you know, uh, love me. They don't really uh, care about me. But because there was a wound there. And sometimes that's what wounds do. Wounds will cause you not to really uh, love yourself. Wounds will cause you to do things that you would not even do. We see even the book of um in 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 the word of God when when Leah Leah had a wound, Jacob had a wound. The only person that didn't have a wound, I think, was Rachel. Wounds will cause you to do things that are ridiculous, right? Leah had a wound. She her wound was acceptance, from, you know, lack of acceptance. And so what did she do? She had children. She had children. To, to have her husband love her. Because her husband didn't love her. Jacob didn't love Leah. Jacob didn't love Leah at all. Because Jacob's heart was for Rachel. Jacob had a wound in him. His dad didn't love Jacob like how he needed to be loved. But his mom did. He had a wound. And so today, I, I believe that the Lord is trying to deal with wounds in the hearts of people. Through this teaching, I just came out of worship and, and prayer. And I just felt the the anointing of preaching and teaching come on me. And I literally just got out of, you know, praying and worshiping. And the Lord is like, I need you to start preaching and teaching. And I, I didn't know what God was going to, you know, say. But now I know. He said he wants to talk about wounds today. Because wounds will cause you to do things and cause you to actually... Uh, be defeated by the people that you're trying to fill that wound with. Many of you, you might, you might try to fill the wounds in your heart with, with pornography. The Lord is saying, with with lust, with food, right, with with even drugs. Many of you, you might, you might try to fill the wounds in your heart with sex, with with dating men after men, having sex with them, you know. Uh, and the Lord is even saying with 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 crack cocaine. Somebody here is listening right now. You you you're trying to fill your wounds with 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 drugs, with with drinking, with gossip, with with friends that you know don't don't like you. With people you're dating and you're settling, you know you never date that guy. He has a big belly. You know you never date that guy. You don't even think he's cute, but because you have a wound, you need to have somebody there to say things to you. That the Lord is the only one that can really heal this wound. Now I feel the teaching anointing. The Lord is the only one that can heal the wound that you have in you. And so today God is trying to deal with your wounds. Because the thing is that wounds will cause you to connect yourself. And continue to connect yourself to things that are cutting you. That you're bleeding from. And cause you to even end up in a pit. Wounds can cause you to end up in pits. 
Leah kept having kids after kids after kids, and even the names of its kids were 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 really describing the wounds in in her. The names of her kids were describing uh, the wounds inside of her. One of her child that she gave birth to. Then finally, she gave birth. She, she gave birth to uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And then finally, she gave birth, and she said, "You know what? I'm gonna give this one to the Lord. I'm gonna give this one to the Lord because she was tired. She was tired of trying to fill her wounds by trying to have kids to please a man that will never love her, because she thought that her wound will be filled by Jacob." And Jacob thought his wound would be filled by Rachel. Reuben means behold a son. She was basically making an announcement to like, hey, hey, look, 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 look. Um, I have given you a son. I have given you a child. Look. And then Simeon means to hear. So first she said, behold, I have a son. I've, I've birthed you a son. And every man wants a legacy. Because your legacy has come through, you know, your children, what you bear. And that, that son will, will bear his last name. So she thought, oh, look, I have given you a son. Behold, a son. And she thought, okay, when I give him this, then I'll be able to get the love that I need from him. And the same with, with Joseph. He said, you know what, if I tell them my, my, my dreams, then they will be able to come near me and really love me and see me how, how God sees me and, and see me and know that, you know, I'm, I'm a good person and, and, I, and God loves me and I love them and, and I really want best for them. And they, they should really consider me as somebody in their lives. He was trying to get a space in the life of people that didn't like him. Because he was, he had, he had a wound. He was so determined to feel that wound, but he didn't know that the, the the one person that could really feel that wound was his dad. And his dad was trying to feel that wound by giving him a coat of many colors. His dad was trying to feel that wound. And many of you, your dad, who is God, Jehovah, is trying to feel the wound by the blessings that he gave you, by waking you up every day, by, by covering you, by sheltering you, by giving you salvation, by protecting you, by telling you he loves you, by covering you, by doing all the things that he does for you. But yet again, it's not enough. Yet again, it's not enough because you are looking to man to fill you. But God says, no, the things that God gives you is more eternal than the things that men give you. Men's love is temporary, but God's love is eternal. What he gives you, wherever it is, whatever it is that you're lacking in your life, the Lord can feel it. He can feel it more than people can feel it. You know, sometimes people think that, oh, having something that is, that is tangible in your hand, that is something that you can touch, is more capable of feeling your wounds than something that you cannot touch. But, but, but the word of God says that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. No, has it even entered into the hearts of men? The things that God has planned, and I'm paraphrasing, the things that God has planned for you. For you. And the Bible even says that, you know, blessed are those that have not seen and yet still believe. And I'm paraphrasing. You have, you have, you have not seen and you still believe. You have not seen God in His, in, in his natural Right? Some people have seen God in visions, in open visions. And I, I have. I shared that with you guys. When I was at a place of suicidal thoughts, the Lord Jesus visited me. 
And I really understood what he meant when he said, blessed are those that have not seen and still believe. Because I, I, I did not see, but I believe. But when I saw him, oh my, my belief is even more higher. But the thing is that he said, blessed are you because you have not seen it. But he said, I'm blessing you because you have not seen me and you still believe. But those that have seen me, yeah, they, they have a deeper love for me because they've seen me. But you, you have not seen me, but you still believe. So many of you, you've not seen God, but you, 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 you really want him to fill that wound in you that only he can fill. And he says what? Blessed are you who have not seen me and still believe. So Leah was really literally birthing these children to cause Jacob to fill the wound in her heart. Every, every wife wants her husband to love her. Every wife. Every wife wants her husband to love her. But this is a woman who has been placed in a predicament that she never even caught herself into. But it was the tradition. It was the tra tradition back then that the, 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 the older one would get married before the younger one. So she knew that going in. She knew. She probably saw, you know, Jacob looking at Rachel working all that years that he was working. And then he finally could get Leah instead of Rachel. And so what does Leah do? Oh, I need to convince this man to love me. I need to convince. How many of you are convincing people to accept you? To accept who God created you to be? Many of you are trying to convince your boss. Many of you are trying to convince your pastor. Many of you are trying to convince your, 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 your husband or, or your wife. Many of you are trying to convince your friends, your community. But a person that will convince people on your behalf is the Lord. The Lord knows how to make a pathway. The Lord knows how to cause a pathway into your job, even in your family. The Lord knows how to convince your boss to give you the promotion. Your, 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 your pastor, God, convince, God can convince your pastor to ordain you into a, a position that you might not even qualify for. Because when the Lord speaks, his word does not return to him void. It accomplishes and it prospers. So you got to let the Lord to speak on your behalf. I think that if Joseph allowed the Lord to speak on his behalf, he would not try to convince his brothers to love him or to see him or to be close to him or to, to accept him. And if Joseph really allowed the, his father, his earthly father, to really love on him and to convince his brothers to accept him, he would not have to do all the things that he did. And even with Leah... If Leah really allowed God to love her, if Leah really really allowed her father to love her, he would she would not she would not even have to allow or even think that she needs a man to love her. She needs her husband to love her. And that's the thing. There's a father wound there. Because honestly, every father is an example of love to their children, to their daughters. And that's the thing about, you know, when you don't have a love from your father, you will try to fill that wound with something else, with men. And that's why women who, you know, dress seductively or date all type of men that you know is not good for them, they're trying to fill that wound in them that their father never felt, filled, that their earthly father lacked. So if you're a man listening, I want to really encourage you that if you have a child, if you have a daughter, it's important it's so important to really sit down and have a daughter, you know, daughter-father date. Really pour into them. Really um, 
be a vessel into them, really have a father-daughter date and really pour into them, really show them that they are beautiful, really, really in, in, in ignite and really increase the the, the, the queenship, that the the princess, the, the, the worthy women, the far above rubies that they are. Because if you don't feel that, they're going to try and find it somewhere else. And it will not be, it will not be good. They will find themselves in a pit. Leah gave birth to Simeon to hear. He said, oh, oh, look, look, behold, I've given you Reuben, a son. And I want you to hear me, Simeon, right? So I want you to hear me. I am your wife and I need you to love me. I need you to love me. That was her trying to force a man to love her. How many of you women have forced a man to love you? I have been in the in the in the feet of Leah. I have I have been at the at the feet of Leah. I have been at Leah's feet. When I say I have been at Leah's feet, meaning I have walked in Leah's shoes. No, I, I didn't marry a man who didn't love me. I was trying to, you know, every woman have, has done that. Every girl, every woman has tried to convince a man to love her. You made too much time for him. You called him too much. You texted him too much. You, you. Some of you might have even given him your body. Some of you have given him him your your money. Some of you have given given him, you know, more of you than you than he gave you. But I, I have also been a ritual, so I know the difference between Leah and ritual. And being a Leah is a headache. You want to be a ritual. You want to be a ritual. And even men, hey, how many of you? Have, have tried to gain a, a ritual, doing everything in your power to gain a ritual. When you know that the Lord is the one that can really heal you, the wounds in your heart. Jacob didn't have love from his father. He was more closer to Rebecca. So he, he let that father love. Because we see even in the word of God that he liked it. His father favored his other twin brother more. And so my question to you is, what is the wounds that your, your parents have caused inside of you? Or the lack of love or whatever the lack of that they did not give you has caused a wound in you. And you, God want to address that with this teaching and, and preaching today. Okay? He wants to. Levi means joined. So we have Reuben uh, meaning behold a son. Simeon to hear, Levi joined. Basically, she's just telling a story with her with her wounds. It's like, oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be joined to my husband now because she she was she was even though they were they consummated the marriage and and they were married they still were, were not joined because it says what the two the two will become one. There are people who are married they are not joined because they don't have one mind they don't have one heart they don't love each other. You know, when you are dating somebody, even for me, when I'm dating, when I'm dating a guy, and I, I can, even though we are together, sometimes you can feel, you know, the separation. Even if you are in the same room, it's because there's that there's that intimacy in in relationship, not 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 physical intimacy, but emotional intimacy. She did not have emotional intimacy. She had physical intimacy with Jacob. And many of you, that's why you don't you don't feel complete with God because you have physical intimacy with Him by going to church by serving, by doing everything. 
in the physical, but emotionally, you don't have an emotional intimacy. You, you, you don't have worship time. You don't have the word time. You, 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 don't, you don't know how to hear him. You don't know how to pray to him. You, you don't have that friendship, the friendship with Jesus Christ. You don't have that friendship. And so you, 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 you don't feel complete. You don't feel joined. You don't have that emotional friendship. And that's what God is trying to do. He's, he's, he's trying to give you that emotional friendship so that the wounds in your heart can be mended, can be filled, can be complete, can be completely filled. Imagine a hole in a wall and putting cement in it. That's what he wants to do today. That's what he's showing me. He wants to cement that hole in your heart. You know, when, when, when there's some, uh, there's a pastor that, that, that spoke and he said that when he was angry because of his, something that his wife and them did, he punched the wall and there was a hole in the wall. And he said when he punched the wall, it was as though he was punching his marriage and the hole came in his marriage. And I believe that's what Leah was feeling. There was a hole in her marriage and in her. And the only person that can really fill that hole is God. So she has a, a behold, a son. She has a, you know, uh, to hear me, Simeon. And then she has joined Levi. And then she has Judah. And even though she had Levi joined, she was not joined to um, Jacob. No. She was not. She was not joined to Jacob. And some of you, that's what you're doing. You, you're trying to join yourself to communities and friendships and relationships and even people and, and things and, and, and idols and, 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 and even titles. But you're still not joined. You know you can be in friendship and not be in a friendship. You know you can be in a community and still feel isolated. There's always what God is showing me is Mean Girls. You know the movie Mean Girls. The girl was part of the group, but she was not. She still felt like she was out of the group because she was not like them. She was not like them. The reason why you feel not included, you, the reason why you feel excluded, is because you are not like them. You never, you never will be, because you are set apart. You are chosen. You are called. And so God is saying, "Come out from among them." I never called you to be in that community. I never called you to be in that place. I never called you to be in that job. I never called you to be in that, in that community. I never called you. And many of you, God is bringing those things to you. He, he's showing you. He's highlighting those things to you. He never called you to be, to be part, of, part of that. This is 2023. You got to let the, 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 the relationship that God is trying to remove you from, let it go. Because until you're able to possess, you have to separate. You have to depossess. And depossess is what? Leaving certain things. God told Abraham, leave your father and mother's house. Leave. Because I'm showing you a place that I've not. I'm going to take you to a place I've not even showed you. Gideon, leave your father. Dismantle the altar and leave. Ruth. Ruth left. Even... Um, Hag uh, even Hagar left, but Hagar had to go back. She had an emotional roller coaster going on in the desert. Some of you might be a Hagar. You left without the okay of God, without the approval of God. So you might have to go back because you have to learn a lesson. But there are those that God is telling you to leave. 
the prostitute, Rahab. Rahab left Jericho. She left Jericho in her mind, in her heart. Because she had a greater purpose. She said, you know what, Jericho is not even, is, is not even you know, given to my people anymore. Jericho is given to Joshua's people. Because I've seen what God has done in Joshua's life and, and you know, the Israelites. So she already left Jericho before Jericho was overtaken by Joshua and the Israelites. Some of you, you have to leave mentally before you leave physically. That's what the Lord is saying. Because, you know, you can leave. You can leave a place. Like how we see even in the Israelites. They left Egypt. But they still have a mentality of the Egyptians. They still have an Egyptian mentality. It took them 40 years to really get deliverance from that mentality. So what is your mentality in this season that is causing you not to be able to leave that place? Ask the Lord, why can I not leave where you're telling me to leave? Why can I not let, not let this relationship go? Why can I not let this thing go? Really ask the Lord because there's a root, there's a root cause. And most of the time it's because of the wound in you. So we see that uh, Leah has um, Judah and Judah means praised. She finally had a child and she said, you know what? I'm just going to praise the Lord. Because guess what? She was tired. And God said, are you tired? Are you tired? She had Issachar, you know, and then she had, um, she had, other, she had uh, two more kids. One of it is Dinah. And then she had another child. Really, are you are you tired? That's the question of the Lord to you. Are you tired of trying to win your Jacob heart? Dinah means vindicated. Because the Lord is trying to vindicate you. And many of you are like, you know, Leah right now. And this is not what I came here to talk about. But this is what the Lord is sharing with me to talk about. And so I'm just going to flow with the Holy Spirit right now. I, I just want you to really uh, go to that place and really ask yourself. Are you a Leah in this moment? And what are you doing? What are you birthing out? Are you birthing out, behold, a son? Are you birthing out, you know, here to hear me? To the people that the Lord is not calling you to. Because he wants to give you a dinah. He wants to vindicate you. So what are you birthing? What are you doing? What are you exhausting yourself? Because having kids is a lot. Having children... How many, how many kids did she have? She had what? She had a, she had, oh my God, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Her children were part of the tribe of, the tribe of Judah. She had a lot of kids. Eight, you know, nine months. Nine months. Every, nine months. She carried a child every, every, for nine months. I mean, pregnancy is, it's beautiful, but you, you have morning sickness. You have all these things you have to go through. And then you have to go through. And, and during that time, they didn't have no epidural. She had to push these babies out and in pain. All because she was trying to fill a wound through Jacob. She thought, Jacob is going to love me. Jacob is going to hear me. Jacob is going to see me. J- Jacob, I just need you to love me. Many of you are going through pain trying to, 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 to fill a wound that only God can feel. Only God can fill that wound. And it could be because you have pride in your heart that you know how to fill your own wound. But God is saying to you today, let him feel it. Let him feel it. Because he knows how to fill it more 
He know he knows how the wound got got there. He know how the wound got there. And so I want us to take another break with song, with worship. And I want you to ask the Lord, how did this wound get here? And the Lord is going to show you. Because even in my own life, I ask the Lord, how did this get here? How did I end up here? How did this wound get here? And trust me, he revealed it to me. Oh, he did. He did. And he filled it. So today, I want God to fill your wound. We're going to learn about, you know, Joseph, Genesis 37. We're going to look at the wound and what the wound caused, where where the wound caused him to end up. And it wasn't his fault. You know, many of you, it's not your fault that you got a wound. You might have been molested. That's how you got a wound. You might, you might have been, you know, um, neglected. You might have been disrespected. You might have been abused. You might have been beaten by your, your, your people that you looked up to, your family. You might have been really wounded by people that should have loved you. And it's not your fault. It's not because they, they did not take their, their assignment seriously. And so what does that tell you? That when you are in that place that they were, you take your assignment seriously. You be the, the chain breaker. You be the, the, the one that, that brings a new lineage in your family. A new generational blessing in your family. Some of you, your wounds... You know, came from your genetics. You know, maybe the way that you were, you were birthed, the way that you were created, meaning that you had some genetic deficiencies. You know, maybe you know one leg is shorter than the other, or, or you have a big nose, and so people really made fun of you. But you have to realize that God made you fearfully and wonderfully made. Nothing on you is out of position. Nothing on you that God created or allowed to happen on your body, is wrong. No. God created you a female. God created you a male. God made you tall. God made you short for a reason. He, he gave you short hair for a reason. He gave you long hair for a reason. You have hair all over your arms as a man for a reason. You have no chest hair. He gave it to you for a reason. Now, a six-pack, you have to work work for a six-pack. God did not birth you, you know, with a six-pack. You have to do that work to get that six-pack. You have to do the work to, to lose the weight. But maybe you have a genetic, you know, defect that causes you to, you know, be overweight. It's not your fault. It's just a genetic defect. But guess what? God is a miracle worker. He, the same God that allowed you to be who you are knows how to heal you and miraculously deliver you. So sometimes, you know, the Bible says in the word of God, you no, know, the man that was blind. Yes. He says, what? Well, now I'm blind and now I see. The people said, you know, did, did his father sin? Did his mother do wrong? It was so that Neither this man nor his parents, John 9, 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So many of you, the things that you're going through, the, 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 the disgrace. And, you know, God doesn't cause disgrace in our lives. But God will allow certain things to happen. You know, maybe some genetic defect that you have. Maybe the way that you, the height that you are. You have a David height, you're short, right? Maybe um, you just don't have, you know, big, big boobs like every, every person in your family. Maybe you're, you're, dark, you're dark skin and everybody in your family is light skin. You know, maybe you, you have uh, six toes and people make fun of you. But guess what? God is saying to you right now, 
But this happened so that the works of God might be, might be displayed in him, in you. God is trying to use you as a miracle. You know, Lazarus died. Jesus did not go there immediately. He said, it's good that I wasn't there. Because he was trying to show the power of the Lord. So you are the Gideon in your family. You are the one. It's okay. Gideon was probably like, oh my God. Lord, why did you bring me into this family? You know the idols in this family. Even Ruth. Ruth came from, from a family that worshipped idols. The Moabites. They worship idols. Ruth came from a place of that worship idols. She was probably like, Lord, why did, why, did you, why, did you, why did you bring me to this family? Why? Many of you have asked yourself, why did you bring me to a family you knew that my father would not be there, that I would have to be raised by a single mother? Why did you bring me in a family that you knew my mother would die when, he gave, when, when, when you gave you know, when you gave me to her, why did you, why did you, you know, bring me in this family that you knew that my uncle would molest me, or my father would molest me, or my father would rape me, or my mother would hate me? Why did you bring me in a family of alcoholics or, or that have, you know, uh, people who are, who are pedophiles? Why did you bring me in a family that, that have poverty? Many of you are saying so many things. Why did you bring me in a family that everybody is, is a midget? Many of you are saying those things. And I hear somebody laughing. It's not funny. It's true. Many of you have said, especially those that are chosen and called, you have said it at some point to the Lord. You have said, if you've not said it, you're going to be saying it. Because you are the change agent in your family. You are the one that is a Gideon. You are a Gideon in your family. You are called to be the one that will overthrow altars and go and win an army. And go and win a fight. You are a Gideon. You are not a little, you know, hopeless person. No. I'm speaking to the Gideon in you. Rise up. Son of, rise up, son. Rise up, daughter. You are a Gideon. Tell yourself, I am a Gideon. Okay? You can overthrow the altars in your family. You are the one that is called to change the thing. So whatever you are seeing in your family that is causing you to, you know, feel like you you just you just want to just not be part of the family. God is saying to you right now, and my ears is on fire because God is saying to you right now, I want you to notice it and I want you to be the one to change it. So you are going to change it and God is going to give you the anointing, the mandate. The blessing, the grace, the faith, even the mantle to change it. No, you're not going to be a ritual and take the idols with you. No, 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 no. You are going to destroy the idols. You are. You are a Gideon. So right now, I want you to take time and ask the Lord to show you where the wound came from. And ask the Lord, what is this thing in my family in my life that I, I'm so angry about. That is causing me to not feel like I want to be part of this family. Or this community. Or whatever it is that the Lord is showing you. And how can I dethrone it? How can I be the one to put in place a new thing? A good thing. A holy thing. A righteous thing. 
How can I be the one to pave the way? Many of you, you are the one that's going to be the first apostle in your, in your family. You are, going to, you are the one that's going to be the first entrepreneur in your family. You are the one that's going to be the first one to build a church in your family. You are the one that's going to open the first multi-million dollar company in your family. You are the one that's going to be the first author in your family. You are the one that's going to be the one to have the first son in your family, the first children, the first, the first one to get married in your family. You are the chain breaker. You are the one that's going to be the first apostle, the first prophet, the first evangelist, the first pastor, the first uh, teacher in your family. You are the one that's going to be the one that's going to destroy altars in your family. So ask the Lord, how do you want me to do this? You might have to take somebody with you just as, you know, uh, Gideon took someone with him to go and destroy the altar. You might be the one to, 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 to have to take somebody with you because, you know, you need a strength. You need somebody with you. And God is going to show you. Ask the Lord, who is that someone? Because when, when Gideon went into the camp of the enemy, he took someone with him. You might be the one to have to take somebody with you. Or you might have to go and destroy the altar by yourself like how Gideon went, um, you know, at nighttime. He went and destroyed it at nighttime. He didn't go in a day. He went to destroy it at nighttime. You might have to do it. At a certain time. But you got to ask the Lord. When is the season that you want me to do this? So we're going to take a worship time. And I want you to really just have a time with the Lord. And ask him. I'm going to replay this this um, this song. I want you to really, 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 really deep down in your heart. I want you to have a moment with Jesus Christ. Okay? Have a moment with Jesus. And he's going to change you. He's, he, he's going to tell you things. He's going to reveal things. Okay? I pray that the Lord will, will, will ignite your ear gates with this fire that you will be able to hear him, even in your heart, in your eyes. I pray the fire of God over you in Jesus' name, that your eye gates, your senses are surrendered to him, that you are going to hear him. Oh, you're going to hear him. I pray for angelic assistance to come upon you and upon where you are. I pray for the holy angels of God, the angels of God to come and surround you as you take this moment. To really listen and bask in the closeness, in the friendship of Jesus Christ.
Here on this side, here on this side. 
So we're back. I hope that you took that time to really um, have, have a moment with God and let him really talk to you and, and, and show you, highlight the wounds, all right? Highlight the wounds. So the Bible verse I want you to focus on is this. It says here, um, Genesis 29, 35, and this is where you are right now. If you went through all this time and just spent time with the Lord, this is where you are. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. This is where you stop trying to fill your wounds with the wrong things. This is where you stop trying to please people, trying to um, get acceptance. This is where you stop and say, God, I'm going to praise you because you are the one that can really help me with this. You are the one that can really show me how to overcome this. You are the one that can help me to be the one that is the Gideon. You are the one that can help me in this season, in this time, with this, whatever it is. He's the one that can do it. Okay, so I want us to go into prayer. Uh, Father, I just thank you right now. I thank you, God, for your grace. I thank you for your anointing, God. I thank you, Father, for your presence. I thank you for your presence, Adonai. I thank you for visiting your people this day. I thank you for dealing with the wounds, for highlighting the wounds. God, I thank you for showing the wounds. I thank you for placing your light over darkness today. I thank you, Father, for giving us contentment that you are. You are the one that can heal and deliver. You are the answer. You are the key to every everything that is in our lives. So I thank you, the Lord. Your presence has shown itself in our in our time that we've had with you, God. And I pray, the Lord, you continue to work in the wounds of your people in this time. And I've been praying, the Lord, the wounds of trauma from childhood will be dealt with, Father. That you are the one that can do with it. You know how to uncover it. You know how to mold. You know how to embrace comfort, Father. You know how to show. You know how to pray through through your people, your children, to release it to you, God. And you know how to be a surgeon because you are Jehovah Rapha, the great physician. And so I just ask you, the Lord, let your finger go into the heart of your people. Let your finger go into the minds of your people. Oh, yes, Lord. Lord, the memories, the recalls that have keep coming to them, the things that they have experienced that the enemy is flashing back into them, God, causing them to feel more wounded. Even the thing that the enemy is whispering to them, Father, I thank you that you are charging your warrior angels even now. You're sending your holy angels even now to go forth Adonai, to dismantle and eradicate and burn down, destroy every single spirit that's not of you that has come to torment your people. 
And I asked the Lord, they will start to forgive. Yes, Lord, let forgiveness come in the room today. The forgiveness will abound upon them. The forgiveness will come upon them. I pray for the wounded heart, Father, to have a place of forgiveness. Some of you, God is saying right now that if you forgive, that wound will leave. Forgive and you'll be healed of your wounds. Forgive and you'll be healed of your wounds. So, Father, I pray, let the Kuri Isturama, let the Holy Spirit help them father in this time of forgiveness that they will be able to release this oh they've carried it for many years they've carried it from relationship to relationship they've carried it from 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 place to place from job to job they've carried it god from season to season they've carried it for many years but this is the day the lord they're going to release it to you and so god i thank you for revealing it to them even now the unforgiveness in your heart and i ask you for the anointing of the lord to come upon them that they will be able to relinquish it and forgive whatever it is the memory the heartache god the pain i ask the lord let the lord jesus touch it let the lord jesus heal it that they will be able to release it holy spirit help them help them comfort them Teach them how to forgive Holy Spirit. Release upon them the uh, the, 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 the grace and even the the, 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 the love that they need, the fruit of the spirit that they need to release that forgiveness. If you forgive, the Lord will forgive you of your trespasses. So I pray right now, forgiveness upon that person. Release it. Tell, tell the Lord what they did and tell the Lord, God, I pray you bless them. Yes, come on, pray. Pray and say, God, I pray you bless the person that hurt me. Bless the person that hurt me. I forgive the person that hurt me i forgive them for what they did to me i forgive them for what what they said about me i forgive them for 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 for, for being for, for slandering me for gossiping about me for causing harm on me i forgive them for everything that they did against me, the known and unknown, I forgive them right now. I forgive them. And some of you might have altars in your family that you have to be a Gideon and say, and even a root and say, God, I forgive them for, for I forgive them for, for entertaining witchcraft. I forgive them from doing witchcraft, witchcraft against me. I forgive them for what they did. I forgive my family for, for having altars because altars are witchcraft, right? Altars are connected to witchcraft. So just say right now, God, I forgive my family for any time that they opened the door to witchcraft i forgive the friends and the people oh the lord is bringing it into your mind he's telling you who it is that you need to forgive he's showing you right now even some of you you have to forgive your past relationship the past people the people that molested you forgive your uncles forgive your father for molesting you come and say god i forgive my father for molesting me and for raping me god i forgive my uncles for for, for molesting me and raping me i even forgive the woman that raped me i even forgive the man that raped me come on say it right now release it to the lord oh some of you i think the lord is showing me some of you have to say you forgive your parents oh yes some of you have to say god i forgive my father for walking away when i needed him the most come on say it god i forgive my father for walking away for not being a father in my life i forgive my brothers for hating me i forgive my brothers for not being being a brother in my life i forgive my sisters for not being sisters in my life i forgive my mother for not being a mother in my life some of you have to say it out loud come on say it say it 
I forgive, Lord. I forgive. I forgive. Even my boyfriend. Come on, say, I forgive my boyfriend. Lord, you got to say, God, I forgive my boyfriend for cheating on me. Come on, tell, say to the Lord, I forgive my boyfriend for cheating on me. And if you are a guy, tell the Lord, you forgive your, your, your ex-girlfriend. Forgive right now. Oh, the Lord is telling me right now, husbands, forgive your wives. Oh, wives, forgive your husbands right now. Daughters, forgive your fathers. Sons, forgive. Oh, my sekarabata. And even parents, forgive your children. Yes, the Lord is revealing to me right now. Forgive, forgive, forgive your aunts and your uncles and your sisters, even your boss. Oh, Rabasete, and your coworker that sabotage your name at your job. Forgive them. Come on, say, God, I forgive my coworkers. I forgive, I forgive my boss. Come on, say it. There is deliverance right now in the room. There is healing in the room right now for you. When you forgive and you release it to the Lord. He is here to, to mend your wounds. He's here. The first place for, for mending of your wounds is forgiveness. To release it to the Lord. Because the Lord says Dinah is here. Dinah is here. Dinah means vindicated. Dinah is here. Dinah means vindicated. You are burning out your Dinah even in this moment. You're burning out your diner. Leaders are burning out your diners in this moment. Vindicated. God is vindicating you right now as you birth out your diner. Because your diner it means vindicated. He's vindicating you because you are forgiven. You have said, Lord, I praise you. I praise you instead. I'm giving it to you instead. Oh, Father, we thank you for vindication in the room right now. We thank you for the victory. Yes, victory in the room right now. We thank you. Thank you. We thank you for victory in the room right now. As a father, I seal this moment with the blood of Jesus. I thank you, God. I thank you for dealing with the with the altars and families, with the witchcraft and families, God. I thank you for dealing with, with the issues, the internal wounds, the emotional wounds, the heart, the pain. I thank you, Father, for dealing with it today. And so, Lord, as they relinquish it to you, you are already mending their heart. Oh, yes, let the blood of Jesus go into that place that have been released, the wounds that have, that have been opened. I ask the Lord because they have released it to you. Let the blood of Jesus start to do a work in them right now. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit go into them. Fill them with the Holy Spirit, Father. I thank you, the Lord. You are mending them. You are filling them. Yes, I see that, Lord. I thank you, Father. He showed me right now that he said, the Lord says that he has put the cement in that wall that was open. That wall that was open. Your heart has been cemented. Your heart has been covered. Your heart has been, the hole in your heart has been filled by the Lord. He said he's filled your heart right now. He's filled and you're going to start to feel it in, in the coming days. You're not going to be angry anymore toward that person. You're not going to be resentful anymore because the Lord said he's cemented that hole, that hole in your heart. He's filled it with the Holy Spirit. He's filled it with his love, his joy. He's filled it with, with, with his anointing. He's filled it with the blood of Jesus. He's, he's mended your heart today. He's mended your heart today. The hole has been filled today. Oh, yes, there is laughter. There is laughter. There's laughter. In Matthew 5, he says, What he gives, what joy to those that are in mourning. He will give you joy for your mourning. He will give you joy for the ashes of mourning. 
of sadness, of sorrow. There's joy here. Vindication has come. You have birthed your Dinah. And here is vindication. Here is vindication. He's vindicating, he's vindicating you right now. He's vindicating you right now. And he's covering you with his joy. His joy and his peace. Oh, he's loving you right now. He says what? Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. For they will be filled. It says Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. God is filling you. He's comforting you. And it says in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's comforting you, he's filling you, and he's giving you the kingdom of heaven. Let's just bask in that right now. Let's just bask in that right now. With this song, just bask in the comfort, the feeling of the Lord. In the kingdom of heaven that he's given you. And just have that moment with the Lord right now. Just sit and just be still. Let, let him just pour his love and his peace and his joy. And himself in you. On you. The Lord is just loving on you right now. Angels are all around you. The Lord is loving you right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Just, just listen to this song. Just let him have his time with you. Just this moment with Jehovah. This moment with the Lord. The I am, the I am. The one, the Emmanuel. God with you. God with us. He's here. Emmanuel is here with you. Pour out on us. Won't you pour out on us? 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 Say it. Won't you pour out on us? Oh God, won't you pour out on us? That's what we want. Won't you pour out on us? Oh, won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Say pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your oil on us. Won't you pour out on us?
Lord, won't you pour out on us? Pour your love on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your love on us. Pour your love on us. Pour out on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your love on us. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Pour your healing on us. Won't you pour out on us? Won't you pour out on us? Pour your healing on us. Lord, won't you pour out on us? Pour your glory on us. Won't you pour out on us? Come on, you ask it. Pour your glory on us. Won't you pour out on us? Pour your glory on us. All right, so I hope that you had a moment with the Lord and he poured his oil on you. He refreshed you. I hope you feel refreshed and just in awe of God. Just feel his presence with you, his love, his joy with you right now. You are a precious daughter of God. You are a precious son of God. And he loves you you okay he loves you i understand why the lord was like i want you to go straight from worship and prayer and just start start doing what i'm saying to you right now to do um i was trying to do something else but the lord's like no i want you to just start to start and i'm like i don't even know what you want me to say it's like just start talking and i'll give it to you i did not you live in the spirit and when you allow god to just move through you what he does is greater than what you want to do, you know? When you allow, when you just yield, when you yield and let the Lord teach through you and preach through you and deliver and heal through you, he does more than you can even do yourself. So I don't know who needs to hear this, but you have to come to yourself. You have to come to yourself. Come to the, you know, what God is showing me right now is like somebody at, in the intercession of two paths. Two pathway. You are at an intercession. And basically, there's no more of you. Behind you is all that you did in your own might, in your own power. And now you have to take a position. You have to really rely on God for the rest of your life. You've been doing things in your own strength. But the Lord says no. My strength will fulfill you. My strength will actually fulfill the call on God in your life. My strength will, will ignite you. My, my strength will, 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 will give you vision. My strength will re- re- revise who you are. My strength will revive you. So let the strength of the Lord be the one to help you push you into your next. Because it's the strength of the Lord that really helps us to mount up with wings as eagles and soar. And not faint. It is the strength. Because our strength cannot do anything. If God doesn't speak, I don't have anything to speak. If God doesn't say it, I don't have anything to say. So I rely on the Lord. And that's why I understand why the first time I ever preached, He didn't tell me. He didn't tell me to prepare. He did not tell me what to preach. He did not tell me where to preach from. He didn't. He just said, go. 
I went and sat there literally five minutes before I went up to preach. I didn't have anything to preach. Five minutes before I went up, he gave me Psalms 91. And I was like, okay, I did not look at Psalms 91, but I'm going to say what you tell me to say. I'm going to do what you tell me to do because I didn't prepare for this. But guess what? He knows how to give us what we need when we are on assignment with him. When we are walking with him. When we are one with him. When we rely on him. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, are you relying on me? Are you relying on me? Because some of you have not been relying on God. You've been, lying, you've been relying on man, on people. But the Lord, the Lord said to the disciples, when you look at Luke, Luke 9, he said what? Take nothing for your journey. He instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Why? Why did he tell them that in Luke 9? Because he wanted them to know that you're not going to rely on natural things. Oh God, I feel like preaching now. <laughs> I feel like preaching now. You're not going to rely on, on natural things. You're, gonna, you're going to rely on supernatural things. Because the strength of the Lord gives you natural and supernatural. They like that thing. Jesus said to them, take nothing for this journey. Because I am all that you need. He said to the 12. He gave them instructions. And they lacked nothing. People came to give to them. Because he is the provider. He showed it to them. When he, when he, he, he turned the, the, the fishes and, and the loaves of bread. He multiplied it. He's like look. We came here with nothing. But guess what? We got something. We got bread. Because the Lord will meet you with the two fish and five loaves. The Lord will meet you. There and you will have the miracle in you, the anointing in you, the spiritual blessing and 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 power in you to cause a multiplication to happen to feed thousands of people. He already foreshadowed what he was telling them here. He's like, when you go, take nothing with you, because I am all you need. You will get what you need when you need it. It will happen. Did you see me take? Take um, take a uh, a coin out of out of a uh, the mouth of a fish. Did you see me tell the disciple that there's a coin in in the mouth of the fish? Did you see that happen? Did you see me feed thousands of people with two fish and and five loaves of bread? Did you see me heal the sick? Did you see miracles happen? Did you see the woman with the issue of blood touch me and get her healing? Did you see me command Lazarus to come forth? Did you see me tell the the little girl, little girl, get up? Did you see me perform miracles on the dead? Okay. So when the miracle is needed, you will have it. You will have it. Peter's shadow healed people, delivered people. They they said, you know what? We're going to put the sick and the the people that need miracles. Here, so that, so that when Peter walks by, just his shadow alone can heal and deliver people. The best gift is the gift that is needed in the moment. 
when somebody comes to you in front of you and they need a healing miracle, a healing gift, you need to use your healing gift. You don't pray to them in tongues. You don't prophesy to them. No. You give them the healing miracle. You give them the healing gift. So whatever gift is needed, the Lord will bring it out to give you. So he said to them, do not take anything with you. Because God is your strength. So the person that the Lord is showing me that you are at a crossroad. And you have to decide to depend on God. Or depend on people or yourself. I charge you this day. And I tell you, depend on God. It doesn't make sense to you. You feel some of you. Oh, you, you even feel you feel a little scared. You know, you feel a little uncomfortable because this is out of your comfort zone because you like to be in control. And I'm not saying, you you know, you have a Jezebel spirit, but you just like things to be, you know, prepared. You, you like things to be. You have that apostolic grace on you. You like things to be in order. Right. Apostles like things to be in order. It's OK. Even prophets, too. OK. Some prophets, not so much. But. Prophets are very spontaneous people, you know, when they see God doing something, when, it's, when God showed them, God is, God is saying, God is doing this, let's go. They don't have that, you know, order, like, how are we going to do it? You know, apostles like to just sit and plan it out because the word of God says that, you know, even in Proverbs says, you know, uh, it's not good that you will start to, to do something and then you don't have the money or the resources to finish it, right? I want to find that Bible verse. Because you wanna, um, you wanna be able to have the resources to finish it, so that uh, you don't look like you didn't have a plan when you started off. Because you do have a plan. God will give you the vision and make it plain, and then you have to run with it. But before you run with it, you have to be able to um, have the resources. To finish it. Uh, I'm trying to find the Bible verse. All right, it's actually, um, so the verse is not in Proverbs. I think there's, an, there's a one verse in Proverbs that I'm not remembering. But it's, it's in Luke, Luke 14, 29. It says, for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. Okay, it's in Luke. It's not in Proverbs. So Luke 14, 29. It says, for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will rid ridicule you. Right? It says, I, I want to read from 28. It says, uh, Luke 14, 28. So it's in Luke 14, 28, not Proverbs. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. 
saying, the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And this is an apostolic mindset. This is how apostles run. They, they, they are those that want to sit down and plan everything. Right? It says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another, another king. Wouldn't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? So that's how apostles' mindset are. If he's not able to, if he is not able, he will send a, de a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. So this is how apostles are. Right. And it says what? Uh, 33. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have, you have, uh, excuse me, in the same way, those who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So you have to give up everything. You have to. You have been planning. You have been doing all the things you've been doing. It's, it's in your nature to plan. It's in your nature to depend on, on things. It's in your nature to have order. But God is saying to you this day, if, if you do not give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. You have to give up your um your control you have to give up your faith to the lord and say god i don't know how you're going to do this i don't it's just it, it's really a lot it's just a lot i don't i don't i don't understand you know it's it's weighing you it's it's making you feel uncomfortable but that's the thing uncomfortability births miracles uncomfortability will always propel you to your next will shift you okay Jesus had to be uncomfortable on the cross. He had to be uncomfortable in the garden. Abraham had to be uncomfortable taking Isaac up to, right? Abraham had to be uncomfortable taking Isaac up to kill him. Ruth had to be uncomfortable leaving behind Moab to go to her next blessing. The Israelites have to be uncomfortable leaving Egypt. To go to Jericho. You have to be uncomfortable. With what God is telling you to leave behind. To go to your next. So whatever it is. It might be a habit. You have to leave a, a thing. A place. A person. A, you know. An idea. Even even the way that you think. The way that you think is going to happen. You might have to leave that. To let God do what he knows how to do best. Trust me. I will tell you this. I am. I can attest to this. When God tells you to do something. He has a plan, a bigger plan than you could ever even imagine. And he will reward you for your diligence. Okay. So today we're going to be teaching. I'm going to be teaching about um, Genesis. Genesis. We're going to finish Genesis 37. We're going to do this fast because I want, I don't want us to have to be on here for so long. Um, and I, I just, I'm going to yield to what God want to do. Um, and what he wants to bring here during this teaching. So let's get your Bibles, get your Bibles, your pens, your papers. 
and your mind ready. Remove all distractions. And let the Lord speak us. We dine into his word today. God, I just ask you to just give us more clarity as we go into your word and learn today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so let's look at it. Last time we talked about Joseph. We talked about how Joseph's brothers were envious of him. Joseph's brothers were envious of him because he sure he, he showed and he shared his dream to them, right? In Genesis 37, he was talking to them about the sheaves, you know, about all the things that were happening that God was talking to him in the room of the spirit. And he was revealing it to them. And we ended, we ended up in Genesis 37, 11, it says, And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So now we're going to talk about Genesis 37, 12. Until, until. I'm going to say until, because I don't know where God is going to stop me. So let's just continue to go, okay? So uh, Genesis 37, 12. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. So this is, you know, the, the brothers of Joseph, meaning yes, Leah's children, right? Leah's children is the brothers of Jake, of, of Joseph. And um, Jacob is the father of Joseph. So, and Rachel is the mother of Joseph. So his brothers, you know, went to feed the flocks in Shechem. And that's what they did at that time. Maybe, uh, you know, in modern day right now, maybe it's uh, going to the grocery store or um, going to wash your car, or clean your house, or mowing the lawn, the lawn, or um, you know, doing doing work like doing things at home, or actually going out to work, right? Maybe maybe that could be a family business, right? So that's that's what it means in modern day. Back then, they they tend to the sheep, okay, the flocks, and so at uh, thirteen, and Israel said to Jake Joseph, all right. Um, so Israel, what is Israel? Israel is Jacob's name. When God, when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, uh, his name was changed to Israel. Okay. Um, and Jacob means supplanter, deceiver, right? We, we know that from last time that we talked. Um, and Israel, Israel means God contended. Okay, God contended. So you will see the in the chain like inter interchanging of the names Jacob and Israel, and I believe that the Lord does that in here because um he's like you know because names have power names have have meaning. So sometimes you might see him be called um Israel. Sometimes you might see him be called uh, Jacob. Okay, I believe that the Jacob part is his human part. And then the Israel part is his spiritual part. Um, I believe that his Israel part is his calling part. Because, you know, we are earthen vessel, right? We, we have an earth, we have a clay, we have a, our bodies made of clay. We have an earth, earth body. You, you have a human body and then you have a spiritual body, right? Your physical body, you, like the physical body that you see right now, there's also a, a spiritual body that you have as well. So to me, I, I believe that Israel meant like his 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 spiritual body, and then uh, Jacob meant his his um his physical body, uh, but you could have a different interpretation, you know. Uh, but that's what I you know, I'm um 
That's that's the revelation that I'm getting here. So is and Israel said to Joseph, "Are you uh, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them." So he said to him, "Here I am." And this is so like when he said, "Here I am," you know, this is foreshad this is foreshadowing and also uh similar to when Eli called well, when 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 God called Samuel, right? And then Eli was like, you know, he kept going to to uh Samuel Samuel kept going to Eli. But then Eli got the revelation. He said, "You know what? When you hear the voice again, say here I am, Lord." So this is like so uh foreshadowing of here I am when God calls you. You know, cuz his father Israel was calling him, but it's actually also like meaning that when God calls you, when you hear the voice of God, say, here I am. So he said, so he said to him, here I am in obedience, right? Um, and then 14, then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out <laughs> of the valley of Hebron and he sent to Shechem and he went to Shechem. He sent he was sent, right? This is the sending. This is so like prophetic. I don't see this as just, you know, um, his father just talking to him. But this is like, you know, he called him and he said, here I am. And then he sent him. This is like when God says, many are called, but a few are chosen. Like when when God calls you, when you obey and, and you respond, he will send you. Send, you know, the sent, sent means uh, apostles are sent, you know. Uh, prophets are sent. Um, he was sending him. I think that in this moment he was send. He was sending him to to be a a covering for his brother to to see what's happening. You know, with his brother, he was sending him as like a pastor to go and and see if his brothers are okay, right? I think he was sending him to be like a a priest, even in the family, to to make sure because priests in the family are are those that make sure that the family are okay. Right, so he was sending him, uh, and this is you know not just uh, Israel sending Joseph, but this is very symbolic of how God sends sends us into the world, you know, because He sent us to our our brothers and our sisters. Even if our brothers and our sisters are not kind to us or are not good to us, He still sent us out to go and and make sure that they're okay, you know, to go and bring word back to Him right uh 15 now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field let's pause right here a certain man it doesn't say what man found him right it doesn't say if it was a person it doesn't say a name um but the word of god says that you know we we sometimes have to be careful when we meet strangers right because it says in the book of Hebrews thirteen two, it says, "Do not neglect to uh, show hospitality to strangers, for by so, for by so doing, some of some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it." It is very very important that those that you meet. You know, it could be an angel, it could be a person, you don't know. But it's okay to exercise your fruit of the spirit of kindness, right? And show kindness to everybody. But some of you have really actually met angels. You have really met angels unknowingly. I myself, I will tell you this, I have met an angel. I didn't know it was an angel. I taught about angels in my podcast last, I think last year or two years ago, I did a series on angels. So go back and listen to angels. They are angels. They are real. They are very real. Trust me, they are. 
and um i met an angel i was a time i went to a certain place i was sitting down i was really really sad i was so sad i i, I was going through certain things and i just needed somebody to talk to and i knew that i could talk to the lord but i just needed a, a physical person to talk to so i got to this place and there was a guy sitting sitting there and this is a place that i always went to that, that was my personal place that i, I go to that nobody knew about um you know that I just go and just sit and just be with myself and be with God even even though I, I was not talking to God I'll just go there and just sit and just you know be there and so I went there and I sat there and when I got there there was a guy there and he was just sitting there so I went and sat next next to him I felt I felt peace you know sitting next to him so I, I went and sat there and then we just started talking uh, and then I felt prompted in my spirit to talk to him about what I was going through. I um, I talked to him about it and then he, he gave me wisdom. He gave me really good wisdom. Uh, you know, a wisdom that a father would give a child. A wisdom that a brother would give a child. You know, a girl. And so he gave me wisdom. And um, afterwards, I left. And then, then later on, the Lord brought that back to me. And I was like, God, who was that guy? Who Who was he? And he said, that was an angel I sent to you. That was an angel. And so I, in the moment, I didn't know it was an angel. But later on, the Lord revealed to me, I was entertaining an angel unknowingly. I was entertaining an angel unknowingly. And his word, his word will come from people that you meet. You know, it might not be an angel that you meet, but it might be somebody that God will speak through sometimes. And sometimes it will be an angel that you meet. Okay, so uh, be mindful, you know, with the people that you meet. So I believe that, you know, when we see here in Genesis thirty-seven fifteen that Joseph met an angel. I really believe that. That now is a certain man. We don't know his name. But I feel like God sent an angel to help him along the way that he needed to go to Shechem. It says, now a certain, a certain man found him. And there he was wandering in the field. Whenever you wander, you will meet angels. How do we know that? You know, Hagar met angels. Hagar met an angel of the Lord in, in the wilderness. In Genesis, she was tired of, um, you know, Sarah. She was tired of Sarah and she was like, you know what? I'm leaving. This woman is just causing me stress. I gave birth to the child that she, you know, caused me to have a, you know, uh, have a, a child with her husband. And now she's just being mean to me. They have, they had a, a rival, you know, um, they had a, a rival going on. And they, didn't, they did not see eye to eye. And so what did Hagar do? Hagar was like, you know what? I'm going to flee. She fleed and she went into the, into the wilderness. In Genesis 16, 7, it says, that the, angel of, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road of Shear. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away. She was so truthful. She said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. She answered. So when you run away, when you are in the wilderness, when you are in the field, God will meet you with angels. We see the same with, you know, it, it's not just when you're run, running away. It's also when you're on assignment, right? Uh, we see that the Israelites were on assignment. They were in the wilderness, right? And they were, they had angels. In, the angel of the Lord was behind them. The angel of the Lord was in front of them, right? So whenever you are in the field in, on an assignment, or even when you're running away, angels are going to meet you, okay? 
Um, so let's continue. It says here, um, 15. Now a certain man found him, and there he was, wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? The same with Hagar. What are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> right? Where are, you, where are you coming from? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. So the man was asking, was trying to help him, you know, and he said, hey, you know, uh, I'm just trying to find where my brothers are. And the man said, they have departed from here. For I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So just Joseph went after his brothers and found them, at, found them in Dothan. How did the guy know his brothers how did he know particularly these are joseph's brothers there could have been so many other men in the field this is an angel of the lord literally i really think it's an angel of the lord that was sent to help him out and that's the thing when you can find your way when god sends you into the field like how his father sent him into the field to look for his brothers when god sends you into the field to look for your brothers to to bring the captives back to 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 you know to be a prophet or a pastor or evangelist or or a teacher, you know, uh, to go out there and win souls. When you get lost, when you can find your way, he knows how to send people to help you, okay? So now, uh, 18, now when they saw him far, afar off, even before he came near them, they, whisked, they conspired against him to kill him. They conspired against him to kill him. And this is the eyes of jealousy. They had a spirit of envy, right? It says here in Genesis uh, 37, 11, and his brothers envied him. When you have envy in your heart, you are blinded. When you have de demons blind you, demons make you not be who God called you to be. I really believe they had, you know, a spirit of envy. And a spirit of envy, it's not something to have. A jealousy spirit. Like I said last time, jealousy start, I mean, witchcraft start with jealousy. Witchcraft start with envy. Okay, so whenever you have people around that are envious, they want to crucify you just as Jesus. When when Jesus always came around to preach, to heal, to deliver, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were envious of him. They looked at him from afar, even before they when they saw him from afar, before they even came near him. Nicodemus was, you know, was different. He he actually went to Jesus quietly and try and try to, you know, talk to Jesus and get get more revelation from Jesus and all of that. But these Pharisees that were just I, I believe that, you know, Nicodemus was like Reuben in a way. You know, we're gonna learn about Reuben later on. But um Nicodemus was more so like, you know, um uh, for, for what Jesus was doing. He was for what Jesus was doing, but he did not want to be to be known that he actually wanted to see that jesus was doing what he was doing right so they will always rise up god will always rise up a nicodemus right um but so the pharisees and the sadducees they were always you know envious of jesus why because he drew crowds he had favor with crowds because his heart was right they had a heart of judgment and jealousy but jesus had a heart of love for people and he was drawing the cloud. He he was drawing the the, the cloud. I mean the cloud, <laughs> the crowds. Right. He was drawing the crowds. And the thing is that you know whatever you have that somebody have, whatever you have that somebody want, 
will always cause jealousy in somebody that is not in alignment with God. Because the right people will not be jealous of you. They will actually want to see you do what you're doing. Nicodemus was okay with what Jesus was doing, but he was so fearful of what the other people would say that he, he hid it from, from them. Right? And he, he had a good heart. If only he would... He would, you know, repent and just leave behind the, the Pharisee, you know, uh, whole lifestyle. He would have been a disciple. He would have been a disciple, a great one at, at that. So we see that, you know, before he even came close, they every day, they, they conspired against him. They were saying all this. And this is gossip and slander. Before Jesus came close to them, they wanted, they, they wanted to see him crucified, right? So there's a parallel between Jesus and Joseph. This is foreshadowing Jesus' story, basically. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. They give him a nickname. They give him, Whenever somebody is giving you a nickname, that is, you got to be careful, people around you, what they say about you. You know, like I said in the Word of God, Jesus knew what was in your heart. So, the, so he, did not, he did not connect themself, he, he did not connect himself with them. Jesus knew what they were saying. In John 2, 24. But Jesus knew what was in the in their hearts. And he would not let them have power over him. Joseph didn't know. Joseph left the sermon. That's the gift of the sermon at work. He he Jesus always um heard what they were saying. He knew what, what people were saying among themselves. He knew. He heard it in the spirit. But Joseph did not. 20. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into a into pit, into some pit. Come therefore. So so they said, Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see. What will become of his dreams? So they were so envious of him that they were like, you know what? We're going to end this. We're going to take matters into our own hands and stop it. And say, oh, we shall see what will come of him. The same with the Pharisees. They caused Jesus to be crucified. But they they did not know that the crucifixion was actually helping him get to his dream and his purpose. The same with these that they are trying to kill him. They're trying to put him in, in a pit. They didn't know that a pit is what's going to lead him to his palace. Many of you don't want to be slandered by people. Many of you don't want people to gossip about you and conspire about you and, and, and put you in a pit. Guess what? You can't go to the palace without a pit. You can't go to the palace without envy from people. You cannot go to the palace without people conspiring against you. You need your pet. I'm not saying go find your pet. Because <laughs> Joseph didn't know he was going to his pet when he was going to Shechem. He thought he was going to go and see his brothers. But sometimes when you think you're, you are going somewhere, God will give you a detour. This was a detour. He needed a pet. The pet needed him. Your pet, if you're in a pet right now, you need that pet. The pet needs you. Because in the pit, oh, in the pit, you will really have time to yourself. In the pit, you will really have time to, to, um, 
to really talk to yourself and to see things clearly. Oh, yes. The pit will help you see things clearly. When you get yourself in the pit, when people put you in the pit, you will finally see the heart of people. Because he was not seeing the heart of them during this time. Let's continue to see. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But, oh God, there is always a but. Thank, thank, thank God. Thank God for buts. Thank God for B-U-T. Because guess what? When God says but, it means he's about to turn things around for you. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it into good. He says, but Reuben heard it. He heard it. Reuben is like, to me, Reuben is like, you know, Nicodemus. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. God will always have a but and a Reuben. But Reuben, God will always, you know what? Regardless of what people are saying around you, regardless of what coworkers are saying about you, regardless of what people in your family are saying, people in your church, people in your business, wherever you are in your community, in your neighborhood, wherever you are, God knows how to raise up a Reuben. Yes, he does. Reuben, God will always have a Reuben. You know one thing about me? I hate gossip. I hate slander. The women in my group, in my ministry, the last time somebody brought slander to me and gossip was three years, four years ago, four years ago. And it wasn't, it wasn't in my ministry. It was, it was gossip and slander from their church. I stopped them and I said, you know what? Let's pray. I, I stopped them right there. I'm like, let's pray. Let's, let's pray for the pastor. Mm -mm. You don't need to continue. You don't need to continue. Just let, let's start praying. I told her, pray for your pastor. Pray for the pastor. Pray forgiveness for yourself. Pray. Pray for, um, for yourself. And you could feel the healing that was happening. You could feel the healing. You could feel. And she was like, it's so hard for me to pray. I'm like, exactly. Because I'm trying to get this thing out of you. I told her to pray for your I told her to pray for her pastor three times until that thing broke off of her. I hate slander and I hate gossip. Because I have been in that position where people have gossiped about me, have said things wrong about me that has caused and basically sabotaged, you know, my name in front of people. And I know how it feels to be on the receiving end of gossip and, and slander. So I hate it. That's why I don't like it. That's why when people bring gossip to me and slander, I put a stop to it because I know how it feels. But I always have a Reuben that will rise up and say, no, 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 not so. Not so. Not so. And so I just want to encourage you, whoever you are right now that's listening, that you have been gossip about, that people have said things about you at church. You've had church hurt. You've, you've had people gossip about you. Even God is saying right now, even at your job, or even in your family, in your friendship, in your community, in your neighborhood, wherever it is. Forgive them. God will always raise up a Reuben to stand on your behalf. Okay? Do not let what people say eat you up. 
what God say is more important than what people say. Because honestly, if they really knew you, they wouldn't say those things. It's because they don't know you. That's why they're saying that. Joseph's brothers didn't really know him. They didn't know him. They didn't get time to get to know him. Because they were, they were, they were so envious of who he was and what, and what God was going to do in, in, in his life. Because if they truly got time to know him, they would know that, oh, wow, this is a great brother that we have. Because the blessing on him will also fall on us. Because blessings come from what? From the top. It says, well, the oil runs down from what? From, from Aaron's head to his beard. Right? So, if they really knew that Jesus, that, that the blessings of Jesus, that who Jesus is. When Jesus told them, I am the son of God. They said, well, blasphemy, blasphemy. If they really got time to get to know him, they would have really realized, oh, wait. This is a man who is a brother to us, a blessing to us. But no, the spirit of jealousy and envy clouded their minds. The spirit of jealousy and envy clouded their minds. So let's see, let's continue. It says, And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay hand on him that he might deliver him out of your hands and bring him back to his father this is jesus they put they killed jesus right they crucified him and they put him in a pit but on the third day he rose up and got and got and got what he was delivered into the hands of his father jehovah this is symbolism of of jesus christ they 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 shed blood they shed blood because of us. Because we, need, we, need, we needed the blood of Jesus to rescue us from the hands of the enemy. The hands of sin. That, that, that um, Adam and Eve allowed the enemy to cause to happen in, 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 in their lives. And that caused men to enter into sin. But we, we, need, we needed the blood to be shed. The blood of Jesus to be shed. And so we thank Jesus. We thank Jesus for shedding his blood. 23. So it came to pass. When Joseph had come to his brothers. He wasn't even close to them. Now if he had discernment. If he had a gift of knowledge. Ooh Jesus. The gift of knowledge will tell you all of this. From Genesis 18 to Genesis 22. The gift of knowledge will tell you what, what people are saying. It says what in John 2.24. Jesus knew, knew what, what, what was in their heart. He knew what was in their heart. This is what, what was in their heart. Jesus knew this. He, he heard it. He knew it. He perceived it. He discerned it. But Joseph did not discern this part. Because he didn't have discernment. He didn't, you know, the gift of knowledge was not in place here. He didn't have, because if you have the gift of knowledge, the gift of, the gift of knowledge is a very, very powerful gift. A very powerful gift. And I believe that's how the enemy likes to mimic it the most. Okay? It's a powerful gift. I believe that people who have the gift of knowledge are people that God has really had a closeness with them. Because to have the gift of knowledge, it is a, such a powerful gift that you can really use it to manipulate people. And that's how the, the enemy loves to use that gift to manipulate people. Okay? 
because you know things and the gift of knowledge you can also use it to hate people the gift of knowledge is it's a it's a two-edged sword it's a two-edged sword in that it gives you power it, it, it gives you power to know the heart of people the minds of people and also it can turn your heart as well you have to be careful when you have the gift of knowledge because it can make you mean it can make you uh bitter because you know things you just know things like when you have the gift of knowledge the lord the holy spirit will give you a john 20 a john 2 24 you will know what is in the heart of people the gift of knowledge will help you not to continue to walk toward your your brothers when you know in your heart in your minds what they're saying about you if Joseph knew this, he would not have gone to them. The gift of knowledge is a very powerful gift. And people who have it, they they have to have heart posture of um, righteousness. A righteous heart. A righteous heart. Because if you don't, you could use it in a horrible way. You could miss great relationships. You could actually get yourself in horrible relationships. Um, the gift of knowledge is a gift that is a very intimate gift. It's a gift that sometimes when you have it, you, you wish you, you did not have it. Because you know things about people. You know things that have been said that you were not even there. You could be standing there and... You could just know stuff. The gift of people who have the gift of knowledge in ministries, they know. They know things in the in the ministry. They know things. They know the deepness of things in the ministry, in the business, in the family, in the friendship, in the community, even even in the neighborhood. But the thing is that the Lord sometimes causes those that have the gift of knowledge to have a sensitivity and a a a a um a heart of mercy a heart of mercy so people who have the gift of knowledge have a heart of mercy because if you don't you will step into witchcraft you will step into divination okay the gift of knowledge is a very pivotal a very sensitive gift so people who walk in it a lot um i always pray that they would be humble and have mercy because and have a fear of God. Because if you walk in the gift of knowledge powerfully, you don't have a fear of God, mercy, humility, and righteousness, you will easily step into divination. Okay? So, and also, you will be bitter. You will be bitter. Okay? Because you know stuff. You just know stuff. Jesus was not bitter. He knew stuff. He knew what was in your mind. He knew what, what was in your heart. But he didn't he, he didn't use it against them. He knew what he was dealing with. He knew that he would he he was looking at the bigger picture, which was, you know, I have to finish the work that I, I have come to do. Cause if he really allowed what was in your heart to to eat him up, he would never have gone to the cross. He would have never gone to the cross. So when you have the gift of knowledge, and I believe that I feel like it's time for me to end here. When you have the gift of knowledge, you have to look at the bigger picture. And that's Jesus Christ.
You have to look at Jesus Christ. Because he, he is your example of how to operate in the gift of knowledge. Right? So, today we are stopping here. Uh, we are stopping at Genesis 37. 20. No, Genesis 27. Um, 23. Yep. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. The tunic is not just symbolism of something physical. Your tunic of many colors could be your gift, your gift of knowledge, your gift of wisdom. Now, nobody can take your gift from you. Nobody can take your gift from you, but they can conspire it. They can alter it, okay? Some of your gift might be, you know, the, your preaching or uh, how, how, how do they take your gift from you? By not letting you preach, not letting you teach because they see that you have an anointing in that area, right? Not letting you prophesy, not letting you, you know, deliver people and heal people or not letting your business flourish, you know, talking about, talking to your customers horribly so that you you, you don't get customers even sabotaging your name in front of leaders so that no no leader want to connect with you. That's that's how people can strip your 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 coat of many colors. In in modern day, in modern day, how people can strip your coat your, your your coat of many colors is sabotaging you. Sabotaging you. So Joseph's coat was taken from his brothers. Joseph coat was taken by his brothers because they were thinking that oh if we take your coat then God has you, you cannot really do anything but I don't know that God always have an, another plan if they try to stop you from getting booked or trying to connect with the leader God has another another leader he has many leaders he has, he has other leaders that's not the only, only leader if if they try to stop you from preaching, God has other platform for you to preach at. If they stop you from singing, God has other people that can connect with you and even give you an album to sing. Okay? If they stop you from producing your books, God has other publishers that can help you publish your books. If they try to stop you from prophesying and teaching and healing and do miracles, signs and wonders, God has other platforms that he can use you to do that. Your gift will never stop just because... Somebody take an opportunity from you or, or a physical thing. They, were, they thought they were taking his, his mental. No, mentals cannot be taken. Mentals can, has to be given. He, he did not give this to them. They took it. They, they, did, they did not take his mental. They, they took his opportunity. But God always has an opportunity. Okay? So in, in order for Joseph... To receive the next coat, he had to be, he had to have the the previous coat be, be be stolen, be taken from him. So I just want to end with this: whatever somebody has taken from you, opportunity, a husband, a relationship, a job title, a a, a family member, a title, a a business, uh. A relationship that you could have had with somebody. Um, whatever it is. 
and I'm, I'm and the Lord is showing me an opportunity. Guess what? God has a bigger opportunity because we're going to look at Joseph and Joseph is going to go to the palace somehow someday sometime he's going to go there and he's going to rule what God showed him is going to happen what God showed you is going to happen regardless of who sabotaged your name regardless of who tried to discredit you regardless of what they take from you God will give you a double for your blessing this is like Job you Joseph was a Job here they took the enemy, you know, took his flocks, caused him to be, have disease around over him, you know, killed his family. Everything he had, he lost. But at the end of Job, God gave him a double for his, for his, his trouble. Double blessing he got. So there is a double. The coat that Joseph had, that his father gave him, he he was going to get a coat that was bigger than that. A coat he was going to get a coat that had meaning. Authoritative meaning. This coat was a coat of sonship. This symbolized his sonship with his father. It was just a symbolism of his sonship. But he was still a son. He was still a son regardless of that symbolism. Nobody could take that relationship away. Some of you have a cross around your neck and you go to work and, the, and they're saying you can't have a cross at work. Some of you have, you know, a, um, a, a, a biblical art at work. Some of you, you don't want to put, you know, there are things at work that you don't, you don't agree to because they are against your biblical, your, your, your biblical principles. And you don't want to partake in that. And that's okay. And, they, and they, they don't like you because of that. They might take certain opportunities from you or certain people might not want to connect with you because of that. That's okay. Because they never take your sonship from you. Though, though they may take some relationship from you, they can never take your sonship from you. Joseph was still a son to Israel. The last time he talked to his father... He talked to his father as Israel, not Jacob. He talked to his father as the spiritual being that his father is, the new creature, the new person that his father was transitioned from, from Jacob to Israel. And that is symbolism. That, that is foreshadowing that Joseph's name was going to also be changed. That Joseph was going to step into also his dominion, his, his power, his authority, his assignment. Because the assignment of Jacob was to be an Israel. When he first addressed his father, it wasn't Jacob, it was Israel. And so I just want to end with this, that whatever has been taken from you from people, some of you, you know, somebody took the, the boyfriend that you had or, you know, the person that you were going to get married to. It's okay. It's okay. God knows. He knows. Whatever they took, he knows. He will vindicate you. Remember, when you stop and you just stop focusing on the other people and you praise God, He will vindicate you. So I want to end with this Bible verse. In all things, give thanks. 
to the Lord. First Thessalonians five sixteen. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The Lord knows He allowed it to happen. He allowed Job to be treated the way that he was treated, to lose everything. The Lord knew, and the Lord knows as well. So thank you so much for joining Devoted today. We're going to pick up next time, and we're going to continue from Genesis 37, 23 onwards. Right now, Joseph is in the pit. His coat, well, he's he's not in the pit yet, but his coat has been taken from him, and he's about to go into the pit. But you might be right now, somebody that you have your coat taken from you, um, or you might be in the pit. Just want to encourage you with First Thessalonians, to First uh, Thessalonians five sixteen. Just look at the whole chapter of that passage. Thank you so much for listening to Devoted today. Love you guys. Have a blessed day.
Jesus.